Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a strange year, hasn't it? I'm recording this in 2021, and we're still not at the end of the current worldwide pandemic. People have been searching for comfort in all sorts of places, whether that's in family, in medicine, or in simply having more stuff. Where are Christians meant to find comfort? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be playing some sermons I've been giving from the book of Isaiah. This book is foundational to the New Testament, and uh, the New Testament authors seem to say that their message is in line with it. So we're going to see what it says, and we'll see where God calls us to find comfort too. Sing for joy, you heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, you beneath the earth, uh, you earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests and you, all, you tree, all your trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things. Who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. Who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited. Of the towns of Judah, they shall be rebuilt, and of their ruins, I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, Let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Singing is a big thing, isn't it, in our society? There are a lot of things that make us sing, aren't there? But there's not many things that we sing about before they happen. Just imagine it, we've had a birthday in our house, Izzy can attest to this, and one member of our family, she's been singing happy birthday days, no, even weeks in advance. In fact, now that birthday's happened, she's now singing again for the next birthday that's in October. We don't sing that song, do we, until the day comes. Or just imagine you've gone to a sports game where one side is singing the victory song right at the start of the match. I mean, unless there's something really wrong, you'd assume the other team's just being arrogant, or they're counting their chickens before they've hatched. Or here's one for Mr. and Mrs. Burley. We don't sing that one line of, oh, come all ye faithful, until it is actually Christmas Day. It's born that happy morning until Phil's birthday. Until around that time, anyway. See, we don't sing things in advance, do we? But here in Isaiah 44, 23 to 28, creation is being called to sing. And it's being called to sing in advance. You can see it right there, verse 23. Sing for joy, you heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, you earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests and your trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. We have the heavens and the earth. If you're here on Wednesday night, that might ring some bells with you. In that picture, we have the whole of creation praising the Lord for what he's done. But hang on a minute. This rescue hasn't happened yet. In fact, the exile that Isaiah is speaking about, it hasn't, even that hasn't happened yet. Because Isaiah is looking into the future. He's looking into a future where Israel has been exiled for their sin. But now he's looking beyond that. 
He's looking even further ahead as he calls creation to sing. And how can he do that? How can he be so certain? Why can creation sing right now? Well, the Bible makes claims about the future of our planet. It makes claims that, to, to some people, seem ludicrous. That's not how things will be, people claim. I mean, the world's going to end in nuclear disaster. North Korea, Russia, China, whatever. Or the sun is just going to go black, and it's going to be game over. A God who's going to judge this world is just an old, pre-enlightenment point of view. Because we are much smarter now. If you remember last week, we were looking at someone who thought that we're smarter now. Well, in Isaiah's day, Israel's exile, it was against the popular media of his day. You wouldn't find the Sun or the Times uh, looking at this exile. They wouldn't be writing anything about that, let alone rescuing them from exile. No one in the history of the world had ever come back from exile before. If you were to go into exile, it was the end. It was a national death. That is how it has always been. So come on, Isaiah. Stop speaking nonsense. But Isaiah is certain. Isaiah is so certain in what he's saying that he calls creation to sing. To sing in advance. Sing for joy, you heavens. Shout aloud, you earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests and all your trees. Well, why then? Why then can creation sing? Why can Isaiah be so sure about this? The answer is... Because the creator, who knows the future, has spoken. Because the creator, who knows the future, has spoken. You could say the God who is beginning and end. You could say the God who is the Alpha and the Omega. And that would be a right thing to see here. It's no surprise that John, when he reflects on this passage in Isaiah, in Revelation, well, those are the things he says. Now, when someone repeats themselves... They really want you to get it. When someone repeats themselves, they really want you to get it. I pinched that from someone. Isaiah really wants us, really wants his readers to get this, to get who God is. So he's going to make his point twice in this passage. I don't know if you saw that as we read it. So let's see this point up here on the screen made twice as we work through the passage, shall we? Let's start with the first bit. Because the Creator... We start with God, the creator there in verse 24. This is what the Lord says. Your redeemer who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. Well, if you were to sum up that verse in one word, what would you go for? I'm sure you'd go with creator, creation, yeah? God is the creator. There is no one other than God involved in creation. God alone made all things. God alone stretches out the heavens. God alone spreads out the earth by himself. See that? This is a very strong passage. In fact, to say that anyone else is creator is to say that they are God. Yet the Lord adds in one word there. One word there that you don't normally get paired with creation. Do you see it there? Verse 24. So we've got creation who formed you in the womb. We've got the maker of all things who stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. All creation language. But there's one thing there that we don't pair with creation. Your redeemer. Do you see it there? Verse 24. That is not a word we pair with creation normally. 
And that is all because of what is going on here. See, in bringing Israel out of exile, God is going to bring about a new creation. We've seen that idea before in Isaiah. As the new exodus gets mentioned, and it's going to come up again in this passage, when God brings about this rescue to all he rescues, he's going to be bringing about a new creation. When God finally rescues his people in the ways that he's saying here in Isaiah, he's going to bring a new creation formed by redeeming a people. A rescue of a people leading to a new creation. A new creation that sounds like the Red Sea rescue in Exodus, actually. Have a look at verse 27. This is the second time he talks about creation here in this passage. This is God who says to the watery deep, be dry and I will dry up your streams. You might think that's Exodus, the Red Sea. You might think that's creation. That's because these two events are meant to be connected together. We might see that in our growth groups in a few months' time. But that is the big point here. This is God, the creator. Great. That's point one of Isaiah's reason for singing here in advance. So God is the creator. Point two. God is the creator who knows the future. Have a look at verse 25. This is God who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of, I don't know if it's diviners or diviners, take it however you want to take it, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense. Now you can tell the NIV here is a British translation. You can tell the NIV has got the English uh, politeness going on. The NIV is being very diplomatic here with its talk of prophets and diviners. See, you could also translate that as babblers, prattlers, liars. The big point is these aren't true prophets he's talking about, but these are people who make up stories to make people happy. Now, I worked at a media company for many years. I'll keep their name out of this, but you know who I'm talking about. And I can tell you lots of stories about how we used to analyze what people liked. And we would record it, and then we'd show them more of it. How the company was all about making money by saying the right thing. I mean, in the US election race, you might remember that, between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, the newspapers, they were certain, so certain of Hillary Clinton becoming the next president of the United States. They were so confident that they famously didn't draft a story on her defeat. They were made to look like fools when the news came in. And God is saying here that he makes these false prophets, these diviners, look like fools. Why are you saying that? Well, because God is the only one who knows the future. In Isaiah's day, Assyria, they were the big world power. In Isaiah's day, Babylon was the most secure city in the world, or so it thought. To say that Babylon, that Assyria would be overthrown, well, that would make people laugh. It's like saying Washington, D.C. would be overturned. It's really interesting, actually, that all the oracles that archaeologists have discovered from Babylon, not a single one of them has come down to us proclaiming the complete and final end of the empire. In fact, all of the things we found archaeologically talk about peace and security forever for the land of Assyria. And just connect that to the same point being made in the first half of verse 28. God's talking of the future, and he says, of Cyrus... He is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. Now, we wonder what's going on there, but just think, at this point in history, Cyrus is still 150 years away. 
He was going to be the king of a land that is as much threat as Swaziland is to the UK today. Yet God is the only one who knows the future. And so what he says here will happen, and when it does, it will overthrow the learning of the wise. It will turn it all to nonsense. God laughs at the peace and security memos going about, and he turns them on their heads. And to call Cyrus God's shepherd, well, that's going to strike Israel hard too. Think of a king in the Old Testament who is shepherd-like. Which shepherd king can you think of from the Old Testament? It's a great name. Thanks, Mel. (laughs) King David, he is the shepherd king per excellence. And God's saying here that that pagan king from the east is his shepherd. That's absolute nonsense, the people might think. Or is it? That's the second point. So God, the creator, who knows the future. And Isaiah's final point. God, the creator, who knows the future, has spoken. Have a look at verse 26. God, who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited. Of the towns of Judah, they shall be rebuilt. And of their ruins, I will restore them. See, it's God who confirms the words of his servants. He doesn't do that for the babblers. He doesn't do that for the liars. But he does say that Jerusalem will be inhabited. And the towns of Judah, they will be rebuilt. Just as God spoke at creation into being the first time. When God speaks, things happen. All God has to do is speak and things come to be. And that's the same point in verse 28. Remember, Isaiah is saying things twice, so we get the point. Verse 28, second half. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. So as you read that, there's a bit of ambiguity, isn't there, as to whether Cyrus says that or whether God says that. But in the grand scheme of things, this is God saying it, isn't it? And since it is God's word, well, the promise is it's going to happen. In Isaiah's day, remember, Jerusalem was still standing. Babylon was still standing. This may have seemed laughable to people around, as laughable as uh, Big Ben being destroyed. Yet the creator who knows the future has spoken. So what does Isaiah want his readers? What does he want us to do with what he says here? Well, he wants us to pay attention. To pay attention and to listen to what God is saying here. See, the creator who spoke things into existence at the beginning of time is speaking again here. The one who knows the future is saying what he's about to do. So pay attention. It might seem laughable to Israel that God is going to do this. I mean, it goes against the newspapers of their day. Assyria crumbled? Come on, you're having a laugh. Yeah, for those who do listen, they will trust. They will have comfort in these words. They'll know that God is in control of all things, that he is the creator who knows the future. And when he speaks, things happen. And the same goes for us today. We can look back on Isaiah and we can have greater certainty that when God speaks, things happen. We can know that this event prophesied 150 years in advance of Cyrus being raised up, that the great superpower of Babylon being defeated, that Israel was freed from exile and sent home to rebuild, just as Isaiah said here. We can know that that event did happen. And so when God says the new creation is going to come about, we can trust him for it. 
See, when the scientists laugh and say the earth's simply going to fizzle out in the end in a big crunch, well, we can continue to trust the creator because he's the only one who actually knows the future. And God has spoken. When we may panic about COVID, about climate change, or about anything else, we can trust that God foils the signs of false prophets. He makes the fools out of diviners. We can know that what God has said is certain. The world is going to end, yes, sure, on judgment day. When God says so, because God has spoken. And so we can sing songs of our future. We can sing songs of the eternal city that we're going to dwell in, knowing that it is certain. We can praise the Lord right now, knowing that he has spoken and it will come to be. We can sing because God, the creator, who knows the future, has spoken. Well, I hope you found some comfort there. Any feedback can be sent to me on podcast at david-couch.com and I'll see you next time.